Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Men's Room Podcast from TalkSport is proudly sponsored by Toolstation. If, like me, you love a little deal, then you can join the Toolstation Club today online, in-store or via the app, and you will save some money getting a 5% discount shopping with Toolstation, as well as a chance to get your hands on some fantastic prizes, such as TVs, gaming consoles, and even holidays. If you keep spending, you'll keep on saving. That's the Toolstation Club. So make sure you join today online, in store, or via the app. A Bosch. Hello everyone, I'm Adi Oladipo and welcome once again to the men's room where we discuss everything men. Today, we're going to discuss anxiety. Um, I'm joined as always by my sidekick, Mr. Rory Jennings. How are you, Rory? Good? Yeah, I was better until I was referred to as a sidekick. It but works, yeah, I'm, it just I'm works, okay. doesn't it now? Yeah, it I'm, works. I'm, I'm a sidekick okay. on your YouTube channel. You're a sidekick to me on the men's okay, room podcast. It's a power play. It's a power so you, play. So you <laughs> last longer. Okay. Once you sit in the green chair, you've got all the power, <laughs> as you know. We're also joined by psychotherapist, author and podcaster, Joshua Fletcher. Josh, how are you, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. This is an interesting topic because I think it's going to go to so many different spaces and, uh, and places. Uh, anxiety, describe it. What does it mean? Uh, I mean, it's, it's a word that covers a lot, really. Um, one person's anxiety is uh, not the same as someone else's. Uh, a really helpful distinction that I like to make is you split anxiety into two. Mm. You've got your conventional anxiety, which is I'm worried about my job interview, an exam, first date, a medical test, whatever, every, anxiety that everyone can relate to. Yeah. But then you've got the other side of anxiety that needs more attention to uh, being brought to it, a bit like mm. what we're doing today. And this is the inwards kind of disordered anxiety stuff. So mm. this is when we have panic attacks, struggle with intrusive thoughts, uh, when we avoid doing stuff, when we constantly ruminate uh, our days are dictated by what if thoughts, I should thoughts, um, and we have strange symptoms, heart palpitations, dissociation, really, really sticky anxiety. So when one person says, you know, oh, uh, you know, I'm struggling with anxiety, for me as a therapist, and someone who's been there as well, I was diagnosed with severe anxiety years ago. Uh, I, I'd want to know, well, what kind of anxiety are you struggling with? And uh, I'll talk about that today. If, it's good if that you know. he split it in two, isn't it? Because I think the first one, we all go through. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like whether or not we even before we go on air, bit nervous because mm. you're going to go on air so you, you feel like that level of anxiety just in life in general and that can be good that yeah, kind yeah. of that kind of anxiety i think can be beneficial mm. because certainly when i was sitting my exams it was the fear of not doing well in them that inspired me to try and do well in them it's mm. the fear of it going wrong that kind of inspired me to try and make it go right yeah so it can be quite focusing that kind of anxiety as you mentioned there nervous of a date nervous of an exam for me, I just define that as life. That's just part of the process of living. Yeah, you're nervous about particular events, but that's part of the rich tapestry of life. The other side of anxiety that you touched on there, well, that's that that's terrifying. That's very different, I think. And mm. I would I would probably be wrong here, Josh, and I'm very happy to be and used to being, in fact. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know the first kind that you referred to, going on a date... Is that not just life? That isn't anxiety. That is just that is just your everyday life. Uh, absolutely, um, and yeah, you're right. It, it can be a positive emotion, and um, it's been proven to be a performance enhancing um, part of part of your body, mind and body. Um, if you're, you know, the World Athletics are on at the moment. If if you're about to do the hundred meters, you want to be anxious because you've got more adrenaline, more cortisol. You're going to be, you know, you, your muscles are going to use that. It's it's performance enhancing. It's uh, to an extent as well uh, psychologically. Um, when I I remember doing my exams and caring a lot, 
So so I would read the question twice because I'm a bit yeah. anxious. I'd read over my answers. I'm not just sat there half asleep, you know, trying to get through it. It, it can be helpful. Where it becomes difficult, and I use the word disorder because I like its literal meaning. Not I'm not just trying to mm. diagnose everyone. <laughs> um, but um, disorders is in, not in the right place. So you know you're struggling with anxiety when you're sat in a place where you're having that threat response, because that's what it is, a threat response, mm. I'm afraid of threat. You're having that threat response in a place that there is no threat, there's no threat there, and then you start to worry, well, why am I so anxious all of a sudden? Then, this is where it can get really sticky, uh, your imaginative brain, your thought brain, uh, wants to try and help you. And that's when anxiety can get really, really fruity because then it's, you start getting images and imaginations. You start playing out worst case scenarios. Uh, I've heard about, I've heard about this. There's something, is it called catastrophizing? Yeah. It's called mm. catastrophizing, isn't it? Where something small happens and then your brain goes, okay, well, this is what could happen. If everything went as wrong as it possibly could, this is what, what could happen. And you end up trying to process that, which is effectively an imaginary an imaginary catastrophe that is almost definitely not going to happen, but that is what you are trying to process. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, you, you, you must remember anxiety is literally your threat response, and it has never, ever evolved from our ancestors when they were uh, mooching about through the jungle, Serengeti, wherever. They're, that part of the brain, which is part of our limbic system, um, I just call it the threat response for mm. sim simplistic purposes. Is um, yeah, it's never evolved. It's the fastest, but also the kind of stupidest part of our brain as well, and it's there just in case we're in danger. And you're right, ninety nine point nine percent of the time we're not in danger, mm. but just in case. That's why you jump when your friend jumps out. You know, yeah, yeah, makes yeah, it, yeah. there's a part of you that's like just in case. You know, have you ever uh, nodded off? You must have had this where you've tried to nod off to sleep and then you've dreamt that you've like tripped over a curb or something mm. just in case yeah fall off a building right? yeah. <laughs> quite regularly and i wake up as if i've fallen and i kind of go am i no i'm okay well that's your threat yeah. response just in case you're falling yeah, off a yeah, building yeah, you're like yeah. well i'm not i'm in my bed um and it depending on what the threat is mm. is where people struggle with their anxiety so if you struggle with social anxiety and you're shy other people's judgments threat. If you struggle with panic attacks, then panic itself is the threat. If you struggle with catastrophizing, mm. then any situation could be the threat. And what again, what I do as a therapist and an anxiety expert is I like to break down where is your anxiety giving you trouble and how does it apply to you? Why does it consume so many people? Like, like you mentioned athletics there, for example, the world championships are on right now. And there used to be a guy I used to run called Asa for Pal. Like, you probably know of him. Um, unbelievable. When there wasn't much on the line, this guy would beat everyone. Like run almost world record times all the time. Every time I got to the Olympics or world championships, it would just, you could see it. You could see him at the start line, almost just having almost a mini panic attack. And he would never ever do his best. And ultimately his career has been defined by him not being able to produce on the big stages. And I feel like that anxiety, which everyone obviously has in that start line, but obviously they use it to their positive. He uses it as a negative and it just completely ruins him. He's the Harry Kane of athletics. <laughs> Never delivers in the big ones. Exactly. Never delivers. <laughs> Wait, why, why are some people like that? Uh, you'd have to, I mean, I can only speculate here. Um, and obviously, if, if we're speculating, Asafa Powell might, on the big stage, when it matters the most, yeah. he might have more anxiety more it mean probably the pressure mm. that's on him is, is added and that kind of you see that in all sports um i'd love to ask mm. him you know what was going through his mind there um taking uh i've worked with kind of many um sports professionals and each person has their own kind of um reasoning but a common one i hear is actually when people make their entire self-esteem their entire value on that that moment that moment this count is counterproductive you know asafa powell is, is is a human being he's mm. probably got loads of strings to his bow mm. but I'm, i can't imagine the whole athletics world telling them this telling him that what's going on 
also you've got to remember the kind of genetics plays, plays a part as well the stuff that's not in our control you know if you've got an anxious mum or, or, or dad or you've noticed that anxiety's gone through the family you're going to inherit those mm. genetics as well so you your body might be releasing more anxiety than your the, the, the guy next to you so yeah th there's many factors in there and it's, it, to be honest there's someone you know I, I find it fascinating and I'd, I'd love the chance to ask him to be honest mm. like, no what, it is what's I think going it is. through your head yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, it's it is really interesting because you know if you keep it in a sporting context mm. which I'd certainly like to do because I find it very relatable Didier Drogba constantly turning up when it really mattered that's more than that's more than luck isn't it that's more than yeah, the that's right place at the right time sport and ability. that is a mental that yeah. is that is something that separates him mentally yeah. from his counterparts yeah. Didier Drogba you know if you score in one final call if you score in two decent three you're a pretty good player 11 yeah what, there could be doing? there must be tests that can yeah. be done to show that when he goes when he has his stress levels he seems to just like he plat he's normal. Mm. His heart rate doesn't or, go up. Or it does normal. massively, but he uses it the correct way. Mm. I think. I think you know the occasion when you walk out and the Champions League music's playing and you're playing against Munich in Munich. It's massive. It, maybe he could use that and use it as a positive. And maybe all of those, you know, those sportsmen that really do reach the zenith of their game. Mm. And you know the people that are icons forever: Michael Jordan, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi. Maybe. Maybe that is part of it, having the ability to use those pressured situations when not only is not only is it up to you to try and win, but people kind of expect it of you. Your teammates are looking for you. It's not only your fans. The other fellas on the pitch who share the responsibility, they're looking at you. Mm. To be able to use that as a positive is a very particular skill. And I, I honestly think it's mental. It can't be. Yeah, because they've all all of them on that pitch have are skills. World class have players, skills, yeah. exactly. So it must be something mental that separates them. Exactly. And you're right; they use the anxiety in a good way. And it doesn't. They don't let it consume them. I remember when I had my own sort of issues of anxiety, where I used to think the world's going to come to an end. Like, oh, they, they, that's it. Like the smallest thing that you guys have just mentioned. I used to think I'd blow that up into the biggest thing. And I remember the only way I could get through it was to, it was my own sort of the only way I could, is by thinking, okay, this is not death or jail. I know it sounds extreme, but like, I'm not going to die and I'm not going to jail. And that's the only way I'd get through whatever I was making into the biggest thing in the world. Mm. And that was my own way of getting through it, thinking, okay, you, you, no one's killing you and you're not going to go to jail. So and I used to think, what's the worst thing that could happen? And those were the two biggest things. But that's probably quite things. good, isn't it? Like in terms of coming up with a solution to your own problem, whatever you've got is this would this be good advice whatever you've got to say mm. to keep moving forward yeah these are the, what's the worst thing that can happen yeah. and for me the worst two things were I'm going to go jail or die okay it's not those two then yeah. right, it's, it's survivable then <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're yeah, right yeah, yeah, aren't we you know what I mean? yeah. we're going to get through it that, that's the, my own way of doing well, it well that's a coping strategy yeah. and, and it's okay I mean uh, I'm a Newcastle fan and I've watched them since I was younger and yeah, you know when, 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 it's not going to help <laughs> the anxiety yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember being at the I was at the, the Etihad because my partner is a huge City fan and we were sat behind the goal and watching Aguero score his fifth yeah. <laughs> and I was like well at least at least my teeth aren't being removed so yeah, yeah so like, you could use that as a coping yeah, strategy yeah. Yeah. Yeah, start, start googling how Sunderland are getting on yeah. well, at least they're losing yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, it, it depends what it is because like in some situations well the worst case scenario here is that I could die well I don't want to die so, yeah. so, so mm. I don't, you know it depends uh, for me I always teach um, the philosophy of leaning into uncertainty this uncertainty is the skill and this is actually relate to what we were talking about before is like how good at you are tolerating that uncertainty that is hovering over you maybe mm. indeed your drug per it's mm. like i'm all right with the uncertainty with being there whereas a Safa power might be like you know the, the, this mass amounts of uncertainty is actually affecting my performance um the all anxiety and particularly disordered anxiety is what we're talking about is about our relationship with uncertainty um i was someone who, who was diagnosed with ocd uh, an actual diagnosis ocd is not an adjective you know to describe cleanliness or whatever it's a mm. crippling anxiety disorder for many and i just wanted certainty that all those horrible thoughts mm. like you, know, you could uh, relate to Addie's uh 
you know, is the world going to end? You know, mm. I, I needed certainty that it wouldn't happen. I needed certainty that I wouldn't, you know, freak out in public or I wouldn't get bullied at school or I needed certainty that Aguero wouldn't do that to me again. And You know, I mean, you just said there that you, you public going, you know, having having a sort of public issue did anything ever happen like that? You know, when you were at your, when you were struggling at the lowest point, did anything ever happen? And if it did, how did people react? Like, do you think there is a stigma still there? Yeah, I mean, I, I, st I was struggled. Re the reason I became a therapist was, um, I had a panic attack um, at work, and if you, I'd never known what a panic attack was. I'd never really used the word anxiety before. I just thought it meant, you know, mm. worried about exams. Um, and at the time, you know, I was. Uh, I was working in a school with excluded kids um, in Bolton and there was lots of stuff happening at home as well as looking after my brother who was very poorly and my stress was just going up and up and up and up and I was ignoring it, ignoring it, not doing the right things, um, smoking cannabis to self-medicate, maybe having a few beers or whatnot and which is, you know, each to their own but in the situation I was in it perhaps wasn't great. Uh, and then one day I just woke up feeling like quite hyper and I was like, I never wake up feeling awake. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's odd. And I must have had three hours sleep. Uh, I got the bus to work, started making a cup of tea. And as I was stirring the, the, the tea bag, um, I just felt suddenly like, whoa, I don't feel like I'm here. I felt like I was in the matrix. Um, I felt like... You ever seen Men in Black, where yeah. they, where yeah. they, that scene where they open yeah. up that guy's head yeah. and there's a little alien inside mm. it? That's what it felt like. I could feel myself, hear myself talking. People look like clay. I was like, I've done it. I've lost my mind. I've finally done it. You know. Uh, um, but what was actually happening is I'm having a panic attack, where my threat response had decided to use a month's worth of chemicals and just go bam. And I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Uh, it was describing it like a high that I didn't. Do. there was no explanation for it and I was terrified um, and I actually got my mum to pick me up and I went home and I tried to work it out I had these strange symptoms my hands didn't look like mine I was hyperventilating sweating I was like what have I done here I was trying to work out what was going on and I was in my room didn't leave my house for about three months I was really quite poorly and then I f what really helped was just someone explaining to me what on earth was going on I was like, you I can't be a panic room. attack. You didn't leave your room for three months. I, I couldn't even, I would be terrified to go and use the, 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 the toilet. And bear in mind, I was a, a confident person before it as well. I do stand-up comedy, uh, play music. I did drama. Oh, um, so, yeah, it, was, it really it catch, caught me off guard. Catch anyone off guard. Um, and then I learned about it and, and through certain things, uh, my, my doctor didn't actually help. The, my medication just made me feel more anxious because I was just constantly wondering when the medication was going to work or whatever anyway i learned a lot about it uh psychoeducation what's happening in my my mind my body what's going on and i realized actually i'm quite normal this is okay this is something that happens around this time and i was so passionate about it i started writing my books about it and doing what well, i do when you say around yeah. this time what do you mean like you can sense triggers what so the stats tell you that like panic attacks like that um, and anxiety disorders mostly happen between the ages of 16 and young 30s mm. uh, and I was like 22, mm. 23 at the time. Um, this wasn't explained to me though, the, the information wasn't there for me at the time and that's why I love doing things like this because you know if someone's listening, watching now and you're like whoa that that describes me it's like <laughs> you know yeah, it's, yeah. you're gonna be sweet mate. yeah it's you're all right yeah. you know i know it feels like there's a gun to your head and whatever you're all right it's, it's strange to get your head around that you're not actually in danger you just feel like you're in danger i, I just wonder if people are listening to this and they're almost trying to self-diagnose how they separate sort of being in sort of anxiety one that we mentioned mm. which is your everyday stresses of life mm. and what you went through in two a lot of people would just assume that it's one and just kind of, you know, we I think we spoke about this last week, just roll your sleeves up, it's only that, it's just part of life. Mm. Yeah. And whether or not, okay, it's got to the point where it's serious, because you mentioned as well for yourself where, you know, your stress levels are going up, but you're still just going to work. It was just keep on going, keep on moving. And I just wonder if people are going to think that, like, okay, no, 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 it's okay, this is it, we're okay, you know, 
we just got to keep on going to the point where you just hit a wall mm. like you hit mm. and it's almost how do people not hit that wall when do they realize okay this is a bit more than just level one uh that's a really good question um the best way to to do it is to you know you're struggling with horrible excessive anxiety when your days are dictated by a feeling of doom dread mm. um loads of what if thoughts we all have what if thoughts they're okay you know but i mean when it's just constant catastrophic what if thoughts um you don't feel like yourself you don't feel like your old you um, you're turning down things that you wouldn't usually turn down. Mm. Maybe you, so mm. you're playing golf with your mates or going for drinks or whatever, and you start to withdraw. Um, this can be anxiety as well as depression. It gets often misinterpreted. Anxiety gets misinterpreted as depression quite a lot. Um, uh, and you just constantly feel the sense of fear. Um, then you you don't really tell anyone because you know I don't I don't live in a dream world. There's still a massive taboo around it. Um, not that your friends wouldn't care, but also there's a taboo around just having the conversation and sitting in the awkward silence of your friend not knowing what to, what to say. Uh, it's not their fault. It's just mm. the fabric mm. of communication hasn't been woven yet. Um, yeah, it's that's when you're in, too, disordered anxiety there. Um, and you might be, your diet will go, your sleep's rubbish, you're having strange symptoms, palpitations, you're obsessed with how you feel. That's one of the big ones. I was obsessed with how I felt. I went from not really caring how I felt to all my attention inwards. And what do you mean emotionally, to, not physically? Both. Right. Yeah. Or is the anxiety there yet? Um, is my heart beating normally? Stuff like that. And right. I, I was never really having any attention on the self to having suddenly all the attention on the self mm. yeah oh yeah even sometimes do i feel sad does that mean i'm going to get depressed am i going to lose control it's just constant rumination mm. uh yeah that's when you need to kind of get some help for it yeah i think it's so important to to differentiate as you said there because i mean when you and i have discussed these kind of things in the past i've generally adopted quite a stern approach for example you know keep going pull yourself together that kind of attitude but that would only be applicable to the first kind that we're talking about. This yeah. second kind is illness. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you can... Illness, it's things aren't right. Things need to be put back in place. It's like mm. if you, you can apply the attitude of keep going, and I don't... You know, there's a place for that, definitely. Mm. Sometimes when I'm like... If I'm doing a talk and I'm really anxious, I'll psych myself up. I'm like, come yeah. on, you can do this and get on with it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You're brave. Uh, and that's fine. Absolutely. But um, no, disordered anxiety, you're on a loop. And if, but if you're only saying, come on, get on with it, pull your sleeves up, you're just increasing the, the, the speed of that hamster wheel that you're on. You're not going anywhere. It's funny because in this industry, which is still quite new to me, it's quite new to you, to be fair, yeah. since we've been doing this, I've, I've been a, a broadcaster for what, five years and I still have, I'm still, especially when I get something new, like, oh, Ade, we want you to do this. I'm like, Whoa, mm. out of my comfort zone, this one. And I definitely get stress levels. Um, and they go through the roof. Like literally go through the roof. I remember talking to my mum about this and I was like, I feel like I shouldn't be as nervous now because I've been doing it five years, but I could be doing anything and I get really, really nervous to the point where my mum, who, bless her, she's very, very um, like Bible orientated, like a Bible basher, definitely. And she gave me a Bible passage to read. Like before anything, before any big gig, I've got a Bible passage that I read. And that then brings it down a little bit. Now, honestly, that's that brings that stress level down a bit. But I just wonder if that's, if that's almost crossing over slightly to two, or is that just one still where it's just part and parcel of nervous? It's just another gig or am I sort of virgin on two where it's like, I, I'm too stressed out about these gigs. I've been doing them for years. I should be okay now. I mean, not to turn into, in, 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 into your therapist, but I think- No, feel you, free. You, I mean, you, 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 I also know what that happy. Bible passage is. Uh, <laughs> but like, uh, but um, there's a, you could say you're on one foot in either. It's okay. Um, I mean, the first thing I say to people when they've got anxiety around the job and stuff is that if you're not nervous, you don't care. I mean, yeah, you know, you, you're nervous because you care. Mm. Um, maybe it's a result of you putting a lot of pressure on yourself, perfectionism. Can I do it? Can I pull it off? But also at the same time, you know, it's it, you're using that. It's okay. You've got coping strategies in there. I think it's really lovely that you know you've got a supportive parent. It's like yeah. you, know, you can do that. And you're getting through it every time, you know. If you started to turn down work, if you started to do all yeah. these things, then then you'd be more in 
in mm. two. But you know, you're, you're, I think you know that you're going to do also, it. Also, Eddie, it would be wild for you, considering the pressure that is on some of the jobs that you do. Yeah, like you know, hosting hosting a sporting show with a co-host as somebody like Tony Bellew, who is famous and an idol of yours. You know, you've been a boxing devotee all your life. You've supported and watched Tony Bellew. Suddenly, you're on a Next par to, with Tony right. Bellew and you're the broadcaster you're responsible for that ultimately even though he's he's the authority it's on you you got the director in your ear he's Tony Bellew he hasn't really got the pressure it is you carrying the show it would be wild for you to not feel anxious going into that it'd be wild for you to not have butterflies mm. but that's kind of going back to what I meant before where they can be inspiring but I think I think Josh has hit the nail on the head very early in this pod butterflies aren't OCD do you know what I mean? Like what you what you're talking about is certainly in the realm of normality. Whereas, whereas as Josh said there, if you started saying, "Okay, I'm not going to do that job. I'm going to turn down the opportunity," then we would have to have a then there's serious a conversation. conversation. Yeah. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Men's Room Podcast on TalkSport is proudly sponsored by Toolstation. This is your little reminder that you can join the Toolstation Club today online, in-store, or via the app. You might be thinking, why would I sign up? But I'm glad you asked. At Toolstation, if you keep spending, you keep on saving. Signing up means that not only will you get a lovely 5% discount shopping with Toolstation, but there are thousands of prizes to be won. So that's the Toolstation Club. So make sure you join today online, in-store, or via the app. Is there... More men suffering from anxiety than than women, or is it always just always portrayed no, as a man same. thing, isn't it? Is, it? It's yeah, always portrayed no, as a yeah. man thing. It's down the line. It's, it's a human condition. Yeah. The only thing that changes is our conditioning as 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 men. I'm so surprised uh, you've said that. I'm, I'm, I'm so surprised well. you've I'm said shocked. that. Oh, absolutely. No, but think about it. Here's a, here's a word to show off at parties. It's called interjections. It's my well, favourite word. I need a few of these. Addy, write it down. You guys move the big words. Addy, one day you'll get invited to a party. You can use it. This is what this is um this is what I talk about a lot, particularly with males. No, we're more susceptible and. But any gender susceptible to anxiety is a human thing. Um, with kind of women older in life with the hormonal changes like the menopause and things like that, they're, they're perhaps more susceptible to an anxiety disorder later on. But in general, anxiety, disorder anxiety affects everyone. Um, men definitely suppress it more because of something I like to call an introjection. It's where an introjection is when we absorb a belief system 
from growing up mm. and I have done a lot of work on picking mine as a man I like being I like being a man I like certain elements of masculinity there's some elements of masculinity I can't stand and they weren't helpful for me but we are a result of these interjected beliefs so for example uh, I always use my, my own um, you know like a, 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 my, my grandma's died at the, at the funeral and I'm crying because that's a healthy biological mechanism that our brain has to help us process grief. Something horrendous has happened. Crying's like normal, you know, it should be normalized. And as I'm crying because I'm never going to see um, my, gra my grandma again, my uncle leans over, authoritative male, puts his hand on my shoulder and says, don't cry, be strong for your grandma. Now, I've interjected a belief that strength equates to holding in my emotions mm. uh, and also I'm not getting the kind of approval from, from males. Uh, and yet, he's holding back the tears himself, but for some reason, there's a reverence in the emotional conservatism of not showing your emotions, which is was great in world, in the world wars. Mm. You've not got time for that <laughs> kind, of, kind of thing. You know, like, hunker down, let's, we're about to die. But now, I mean that emotional conservatism is one of the biggest problems that it, in my professional opinion that we have um it's the contributor to why the biggest killer of men under 50 is suicide um because men that that reverence of putting on a display and showing that you've got everything in order is so strong that it comes at the risk of actually showing mm. that, you know... That, that I wonder if that's generational, though. I think that, that's a very yeah. poignant and powerful story, but I, I I, think I conform to a lot of the stereotypes that go along with your uncle in this story. Yeah. Like, the stereo I think I conform to those, but not this particular one. So I would, and would, and will, I mean, I, you know, I hope this doesn't come around for a long time, but when the day comes where my grandmother passes, I will be a wreck and i won't apologize for that and i know that that will be the case and that's definitely how i will process that i don't i feel like perhaps there has been a shift maybe generationally where tears and emotion and open open emotional honesty isn't frowned upon the way it once was i feel like there are lots of other issues but i'd like to think that we've moved on a little bit from that big boys don't cry I think is outdated, or at least is becoming outdated. Uh, it's starting to shift, but we, I would say it's it's nowhere near. Really? Like yeah, I see it in my own friendship groups. Uh, I've got, like, I'm one of the leading therapists for anxiety disorders, and my own mates that I grew up with, they wouldn't open up to me. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, I, it, the power dynamic, I'm a threat. It, because mm -hmm. of who I am, it's it's interesting. My, my f female friends, very happy to open up. Mm -hmm. the men know because it is and I don't care what we have internalized prejudices that it is weakness and we can have the platitudes in that but I, if I were to really ask most guys say would you stand in front of your mates and start crying deep down they'd be like no they do it performatively so if it was for say I don't know something like this or whatever I think they would but deep down with your mates no one watching no, I, wouldn't do I it. think that's why the, the Paddy Pimblet mm. sort of um, clip has gone so far because it doesn't happen if that was an everyday occurrence and he's a fighter yeah and he's a fighter, and he's a fighter. Right? so he's like as, mm. as he's double hard he's just, he's just walloped someone in a ring like someone <laughs> yeah. and all of a sudden he's showing emotion it's like and then yeah, but because that. that doesn't happen I think that's why that clip's gone so crazy yeah similar absolutely. to when Tyson Fury sort of spoke about mental health and stress because we don't see that that's why it's so I think if you see it every day then it wouldn't well you're starting to see it in sports now a lot I mean it was it Simona Halep one of the yeah, you know, best tennis, tennis players. Mm. She had a panic attack on court, mm. and she's just you know steely, mm. professional like a machine of a tennis player. And yeah, you see it a lot. Um, Stephen Reed, yeah, yeah. played for Blackburn, yeah. didn't he? Ireland, Ireland, Forest Island. Yeah. yeah, he's he's um, he's come out and he struggled a lot with anxiety, things like that. Mm. Tyra Mings recently said mm. something. Mm. I think it, I think it is. But you see that that kind of pressure, particularly elite level sports people. I do, I do get it. I do understand like the pressures because if nothing else, it's 25,000 people every week on Tyrone Ming's case. Do you know what I mean? Like if nothing else, it's, 
it's the home support of, well, which is more than 25,000. That's where Michael Johnson was talking about this recently uh, at the World Athletics Championship. The former Man City player. <laughs> no, the other I forgot one. about him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's an estate agent now, by the way. Estate agent. Doing yeah. it right for himself. Yeah. But he was, Dina Asher-Smith, one of the athletes, was, was talking about her struggles that she's gone through in the last sort of three or four months. Uh, her grandma dying, who she was very close with. And Michael Johnson said, this is interesting because before athletes if you lose you lose They're, you know you're almost not allowed to give an excuse as to why I came fifth or sixth mm. like if you just came fifth you'd walk away there'd be no interview and now he said it's, it's a new generation that he loves of you can tell your backstory what happened as to why maybe you're not performing because I think we look at these athletes as robots so when they don't perform we just laugh Mm. when we don't really know what's going on and a lot of them are suffering through a lot of stress and anxiety but this is why it's important that going back to the word introjection mm. imagine this scenario like if you introjections start from even before you're born baby showers boy blues you know boy boy is blue girl yeah. is pink like where was that written you know like <laughs> yeah, who decided that you yeah. know kind of, I actually quite like the colour pink but, you, yeah, know, yeah. you know and when I was walking around a festival with a pink shirt on the other day like you know it's those kind of things but what you interject imagine coming home from school and your mum and dad don't even turn around and say hello to you or but then your sister walks in and she's got a medal you know sporting achievement and they put it on the fridge you know what are you interjecting from that well to be good at sports gives you value mm. and then you're not as lovable as your sister yeah what about when you're walking around and seeing like you're seeing like lad culture don't you it's just lots of you know like kind of Geezers. Geezers, stuff like that. Which is fun. Like, don't get me wrong, I like messing around with my mates and stuff, but a lot of it is performative. It's learned, it's copied. It's like, maybe that's what it is to be a guy. Mm. Um, and, and things like that. And with sports people, it must be enormous because the pressure that's on you from as a kid, I mean, if you want to be the, one of the best tennis players, you've got to start playing when you're five. Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And you've got to be the best yeah. in your area, but, in your yeah. country. In but, your... but... So the, the Williams sisters are the model here, aren't they? Yeah. You know, they were they were cultivated into being. Mm. What a life, what a career, what a... Like, it's not only bad, is it? It's important to acknowledge that being brilliant and rising to the very top, the way that they have by dedicating their life to something via a pushy father, it's not only bad. It's, what's the alternative if they're not tennis players? Mm. They've lived an amazing life. Mm. They're mentioned in a, in a Snoop song. I, I love that. <laughs> Yeah, it's not only bad, is it, or is it? Well, it depends if they like that kind of stuff. Like it's like, where's the? Got to love being a Wimbledon champ, haven't you? Got to. Possibly, I'd then, imagine so. But who was the tennis player that just completely quit at twenty three? Yeah, Martina Hingis, wasn't it? Didn't Martina Hingis quit? It's, I think it was from last year. It was the Wimbledon, the Wimbledon last champion year. who now plays golf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm done now. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> done. Twenty four. I'm just. Everyone's like, what? Yeah, yeah. She's gone. I've been doing it. So broken. I've been doing this for two decades. I'm out of here. I love that. I was like, she's like, no, don't know. I find I find it fascinating that she did that, and almost like good. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? It's not yeah. only bad. No, no, it's certainly not. There will always be some resentment from these superstar athletes. That yeah, you're got resenting it from your Miami mansion and with your Wimbledon <laughs> trophy. You, you're, you're also looking at it, though, from that they're the exception to the rule. Yeah. Only one person gets to be champion. Yeah. And yeah. the thousands, hundreds and thousands of people who have the same pushy yeah. parents. Yeah, yeah are not champion. Yeah. They're not in a Snoop Dogg video. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, and they're going to feel like failures. And I think that's why you get a lot of sports people, particularly at the end of their careers. If you look at um, rugby, mm. particularly. Particularly rugby, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I, saw, you, I saw some data on that. Uh, football. Yeah. Cricket as well. I saw, have you cricket, seen this, yeah. this, the data for cricket? Um, Basically, people when, when fellas finish mm. playing cricket, and I've, I've only seen the fellas data, it may be applicable to the, mm. to the girls as well. But when, when fellas finish playing cricket, the, the drop-off in terms of mental health and whatever is huge because I think you go from play cricket in only lovely locations, right? You go from touring the world to being part of a team to suddenly potentially having to learn a trade or whatever. Mm. And a lot of people struggle to cope with that. Mm. There is a there is a there is an issue in cricket. Yeah, and if you're not a champion, you don't have the the legacy to fall back mm. on and stuff. So yeah, if you take that example, it's it's great. You know. It, what does it take to be the best? Yeah, you're right. So it would have to take that. Um, but at the same time, it comes at a cost, mm. uh, I, I find. Um, and you do see it. I mean, 
I, I believe that kind of chronic anxiety and disordered anxiety comes from, I use the example of a stress jug, it's, it's, it's not original, it's just but it's something I like to use. And it's, you know, we all have the ability to tolerate stress um, in, in a jug or a cup. Uh, the size of that cup is dependent on genetics. So my mum and dad are quite anxious, so my cups can be quite small. So I've got to be very careful what stress goes in there. Mm. If you think about stress that goes in there, you've got like money, relationships, career, um, pandemics, um, things like that, and it starts to go up, go up, go up, and then throw in a bit of grief in there, a bit of, a bit of traumatic events, a mm. uh, bit of whatever, and suddenly overflows. And at that moment it overflows, it's the moment you start experiencing panic attacks. Um, how do you? I'm going to cut across you. How do you stop it? You don't from overflowing. Oh, like, overflowing. How, yeah. how do you? Preventative. Brilliant. This is what I tried. Uh, you first of all, you've got to identify what's in there. Like I, I've sat with guys in my therapy room, and it's taken ages for them to actually have a look in because they just put the lid on. They're like, I'm not bothered. I'm a guy. I can handle it. I'm hard. You know, it's like, all right, well, good luck with that one, I'm a mate who's, and I'll, I'll be very candid here, I've, I've had a mate who, who I grew up with, uh, and, and he has that kind of mindset, and, and he is quite hard, actually. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but, he's, um, but he lost his dad, mm. and naturally I was like, you know, you, you want to talk about it? I lost my dad, man, it was heartbreaking, he was like, mm. I'm all right. And then he suddenly goes into boxing to as an outlook, which is fair enough, mm. whatever. And then he goes into heavy drinking, mm. abusing drugs, and all. I was like, you could just talk about this, you know, you know, mm. I, you know. And it took him. The biggest thing was lifting up what was in there, and he actually, event, you know, ended up going to therapy and stuff like that. But not only did he find that the grief of his father was in there, there's loads of other stuff that was in there. He's just buried. He's absolutely buried. Some, that's why some people can handle grief better than others because for some people, grief is what makes the, the jug overflow. Mm. And for some people, they've got more resources in there. Mm. You know, whereas, uh, and for me, it was grief that made my jug overflow. There was already stuff going on in, in, in my head. So, yeah, it's about looking what's in there because don't expect to turn up to the therapy room with all the answers. When you say it's okay to talk, it's okay to explore What's going on it's there? It's funny. Like I, I remember when huh. no job, no money. Like, we've all had, obviously we've been through all been through this, where like there is no money. So I remember the letters coming through the door, and I know what those letters were. I knew it was either bailiff bills, and I'm I'm thinking I have no money mm. and my stress levels are crazy. I can't open that because. I'm not going to open it. It's not going to be a birthday card, is it? Just leave, leave the Honestly, door closed, dude, yeah. Literally, so... Yeah. I, and, yeah, I'm going to order a pizza instead. I just knew... I knew <laughs> couldn't afford the pizza. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I knew exactly what the bailiff letter looked like. You know, it's yeah, one yeah, of the... Yeah. I knew. And it got to a point where I did do what you said yeah. and I just opened them. Like, I remember sat and, like, it was a big thing for me. Like, all right, we've just got... What can we do? We can't hide through the curtain every time you hear someone approach your door thinking it's a bailiff. So I just opened them. And eventually, you know, I started calling the bailiffs, started to get arrangements, started to, you know, set up direct debits, even if it was a minimum amount. And it was very... <sighs> I love that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the perfect yeah, that analogy. Was the way, that was honestly yeah. the way. I, mean, I just remember the letters coming. Yeah, and processing, I a problem, processing a problem yeah. is, is the road to sol the solving road, the problem, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. A bit at a time as well. You don't, people think that when you go to therapy or, or when you're going through financial mm. issues, you know, you just want it later at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like yeah. one bit at a time. So I do in therapy. Not like you don't have to unleash everything. No. Um, when people go to to therapy about anxiety or disordered anxiety, conventional anxiety, just general worries. That's okay. Depression, whatever. You don't need to just splurge it all out. Mm. Be like, you don't have to talk about any of it. Mm. Just mm. get to get to know me. Feel comfortable, and then and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. But yeah, one at a time. Uh, I really like that analogy. Yeah, <laughs> the, We've actually yeah. got a listener question here, Josh. If you wouldn't mind just hearing it, he says, "My anxiety is most difficult to manage at night. I lay in bed, and the silence is hard to deal with. My mind runs away with me, and I never get a good night's sleep. What should I do?" So this is a rumination problem. Uh, this is life-changing for me. I was the same. I was be afraid to go to bed because the association with bed is lying there feeling anxious. Uh, rumination is when our attention goes inwards. I call it the rumination roller coaster. What if this happens? Or I'll play it out in my head and what if that happens? And then I'll try and problem solve that thing happening, even though it probably won't happen. Yeah. Uh, and going round and round and round. Rumination is actually a behavior. 
it's not just you thinking it's a behavior you are behaving you are ruminating someone uh, with OCD um, I've got to watch out for rumination because that's one of my biggest compulsions um, just like someone with OCD may wash their hands or excessively tidy my compulsion is to sit and just ruminate and you can tell because I'm sat in a room and I'm just there and I, I'm well, it's all going on in your head it's it all going on in my head yeah, ruminate, and that's what's happening what you can do and your advice for you there is that and I probably get this people who ruminate in bed often keep themselves distracted in the day you've probably got to-do lists this big you don't sit by yourself my advice to you is obviously you know CBT therapy is great for things like that and go to therapists or whatever but if, you, if that isn't for you practice allowing yourself to to have sit with rumination throughout the day but detaching from it so because you can't stop your mind you can't stop thoughts that's mm. the you know number one rule in psychology you can't stop thoughts but you can choose to observe them and focus on other things um i when i was str struggling with ocd but then recovering i was like oh i've noticed i'm ruminating now i'm noticing the what ifs what would i usually be doing right now um I don't know, I'll crack on the PlayStation and lose to the easiest level on FIFA, I don't know. Um, at bed, obviously, it's difficult because you, you want to be sleeping. So practice in the day of, of sitting with that rumination because you're probably avoiding it all day and then you lie in bed and it's hitting you like a train and it's releasing adrenaline and cortisol. Um, also, just make it easier. I love listening to stuff like... Um, audiobooks in bed and podcasts mm. and things like that because your attention is away from the rumination it's not distracting you're not suppressing in the day practice with the rumination maybe get therapy and then just change up your routine at night and keep your attention external you'll, you'll drop off that must be one isn't it that last one changing your routines up that must be a big even if it's going for a walk late at night yeah, mm. yeah, just habits. There's something different, yeah. Yeah, we're, all, we're, we're creatures of habit. Like, mm. Everything's a habit. Uh, I say that to to my clients. I mean, think about all your automatic habits. I shower the same way. I brush my teeth the same way. I drive the same way. I'm like I, on autopilot, completely mm. on autopilot. I make tea the same way. Um, it's so many things on autopilot, which is good. Yeah. But then sometimes some sneaky habits getting in there that they're not helpful. Just before we end, Josh, I want to quickly go back, if we can, to the panic attacks. Because for anyone watching or listening that might be close to that, because there will be some people that don't know it's coming and almost feel like it might be coming. Are there any sort of obvious sort of triggers that, okay, maybe you are about to have a panic attack? Is it just something that, for want of a better phrase, you just have to have? So it's going to happen. It's going to don't fight it because yeah. it cannot hurt you. It feels like it is. Um, if you're having specific panic attacks in relation to certain triggers, mm. that's, that can actually be a sign of trauma and PTSD. So if you have a panic attack when you see a certain person or, or someone who looks like a certain person, if you're having panic attacks because of stuff that you know that reminds you of some bad things that happened in your childhood, uh, maybe it could be certain smells, sounds whatever for me it was like um it was a song when i was growing up and i heard a song and my i would just go into a panic attack because of some traumatic events then definitely you doubt you need help with ptsd you cannot do that on your own mm. um there's no shame in that and ptsd isn't just you know returning from the trenches it's a very uh, common thing uh but the vast majority of panic attacks are not that if you can feel a panic attack coming along you just got to ride it out. You can't stop it. Don't resist it. It will last probably five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. Uh, most people can't see it. It's not like on Netflix, you know, where they're rolling around on the floor, dissociating. That's not, most panic attacks doesn't, they don't occur like that. You can have a panic, I've had panic attacks, full on panic attacks in a room were full of people and no one's noticed. So inwardly. What? Really? The vast majority I of panic... I thought it was all brown paper bags and that. Nope, that's a myth. It's um, and, and that doesn't really work either. But uh, it's a myth. That's malicious, isn't it? That's what, that would have been yeah. the first... If someone told me they were having a panic attack, I'd Get go scrambling for a brown paper bag, yeah. Yeah, well, they had, the ambulance stuff used to do that up until, like, what, five, six years ago? And I was, and, and realised, no, you, you don't need to do anything. It's not hurting you, so why are you mm. reacting to it? As soon as you react to it, you're teaching the brain that the panic attack itself is dangerous. So the next time you're going to go out and you'll be like, oh, I hope I don't have a panic attack when I do my podcast. I hope I don't have a panic attack mm. at the gig. I hope I don't have a panic attack. At no, just be like, 
I recovered when I said, I don't really care if I have one. I'd rather not. Yeah. It's not nice, mm. but I don't care if I have one. And, and I practiced just panicking and realized it's just an adrenaline rush. That's all mm. it is. It, a panic attack is just a confusion around why you're having so much adrenaline. So yeah, just let it on. This is just an adrenaline rush. This Josh, has been amazing. It has been. This has genuinely been, this is pros- possibly, if not definitely, my favorite episode. Thank yes. you, Josh. Well, well, that's a big shout. Fatherhood was really good. This is definitely... Up. Talk but I only I had to deal with you for the whole of that without anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Every other guest now is going to be like, one second, yeah. emailing in, one second. Wasn't um, no, there? <laughs> I mean, I found it, I found it educational. I found it interesting. I think you've been so articulate and honest. I've really enjoyed this one. Thank you so much, mate. Oh, thank you very much. Josh, just before you go, how can people get in touch? So uh, I'm Anxiety Josh on social media. That's where I do most of my stuff. Uh, my page is on Instagram. I use quite a lot. Um, yeah, just type in Anxiety Josh, Joshua Fletcher, uh, uh, my, my face pops up and you can mm. have a look. There's loads of resources there. Loads of free resources as well. Um, and if, you know, if you're a bit like that, that sounds a bit more about what I'm about, you know, go listen to that. It's cool. Josh, really appreciate it. It's been a good one, right? Anxiety. Hopefully we have educated, I say we, Josh has educated you a bit on anxiety. Uh, it's been a really good Men's Room podcast, this one. Make sure you download all the podcasts from wherever you get your podcasts from. And as always say this, if you prefer to watch this, as I always do with my podcast, make sure you head over to TalkSport's YouTube channel where you can watch the podcast as well. From myself, from Rory, from Josh, thank you very much. Tool Station are the proud sponsors of the Men's Room Podcast on Talk Sport. Join the Tool Station Club today online, in store or via the app, and you will save some money getting a 5% discount shopping with Tool Station, as well as a chance to get your hands on some fantastic prizes, such as TVs, gaming consoles, and even holidays. If all that isn't enough, then remember, if you sign up, then you will get loads of exclusive discounts that aren't available anywhere else. That's the Tool Station Club. So make sure you join today online, in store, or via the app. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.